everyone and welcome to another episode of Not Another Whiskey Podcast. I'm doing a wee 30 minutes with today uh, without the help of my trusted sidekick Nicholas as he has had to knit down to the shops to get some new product for his hair. Actually, that's a joke. If I was always waiting for him to do that, we'd never get any fucking shows done. So uh, no, but the reason Nicholas isn't here today is because I'm recording today's episode from a very special location inside the Colburn Distillery, inside one of their warehouses. Now, at this point, you may wonder what and where the Colburn Distillery is. Well, the good news is I have Dean Jode, who is the head of whiskey creation for Murray McDavid, who is going to tell us all about this, and this amazing mothballed distillery, and we're going to chat about some delicious drams from Murray McDavid, uh, and what is being kept here, as much as Dean can tell us. So, Dean, welcome to the show, man, and thanks for uh, inviting me down to this amazing spot. Mitch, uh, absolute, absolute pleasure um, to to welcome you uh, here to Colburn. Um, you know, it's it's uh, certainly a site where people really need to come to experience the sheer um, splendor and diversity of whiskey appreciation that we are trying to create here under the Murray McDavid banner. Absolutely, um, mate. Well, let's just set the scene for the listener right here. Uh, we're in your amazing warehouse. It's probably, what do you reckon the temperature is in here right now? Four degrees centigrade? It's actually, yeah, there's a um, thermometer just down at the back of warehouse uh, two where we're recording at the moment. Uh, we're just over five, just over five, five. today. Yeah. yeah. So um, if you hear me sniffling, <laughs> Dean sniffling, you know why. Uh, we've actually set the microphones up on a cask. Dean, what cask is this? I haven't even looked. Um, this is actually probably one of the, the, the youngest whiskies in the warehouse. We've got a single malt um, which is labelled Bravel. Um, some of you may know, formerly have known this as uh, Braze of Glenlivet, yeah. uh, which it would have been labelled back in the day. But um, I think it was around, what, 94, 96, um, that the title Braze of Glenlivet, Braze of Glenlivet was, um, was, was revoked for independent bottlers and you, uh, you, you would have now seen it under the title of Bravel. Uh, so this was distilled in 2014, currently resting in a uh, first fill Oloroso sherry hogshead. Um, but Mitch, what I want to do is um, just communicate to people out there, actually, um, just the casks around it, the four casks um, sitting by the side, because this is what, in a nutshell, we're doing here at Murray McDavid at Colburn. Um, the cask below, um, I should say we're, um, we're in a stow... Um, stow number 69 in warehouse two at Colburn. I've I, like, just... I like that number, but that's a good number. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, actually, I've just given the bloody exact location for anybody wanting to come and uh, take this next cask in their car. Um, <laughs> stow number one is uh, actually a 2003 Beaumont, uh, which has been finishing in a uh, dessert wine cask. Hmm. The cask next door... Uh, we've got a 2014 and uh, That is a first fill Oloroso hogshead again. And just up north is the uh, the Blair Athol 2008, which is in a um, Pinot Noir wine cask. Um, so, you know, those four casks that we're perched over is, um, you know, it's an awesome insight into the sheer eclectic range of Scotch whiskies that, that we're maturing here at Colburn. It's unbelievable, mate. What a, what a nice office you've got. Let's let, <laughs> let's talk about 
I mean, that's a really cool job, head of whiskey creation as well. So let's chat about what you do within the company and how that, that all works. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, I've been with ACO and uh, Murray McDavid for eight years now, um, joining back in 2015. And um, I've evolved into a role where um, I'm just managing managing our cast stocks, you know, ACO Limited being a cask whiskey broker since 1999. Um, we've got a big inventory of cask whiskies that we are, you know, still adhering to the original um, company of, of ACO of brokering casks. But as of 2015, uh, this is when we started to introduce brands into our, our, our company offering. And, um, you know, there wasn't really a figurehead at the time within the company to take charge of these brands and to strategize stocks for, for future bottlings. And, um, you know, being, being a, a much younger and less wrinkly um, <laughs> guy than I was back then, uh, well, now, sorry, um, I just took, took the ball by the horns and thought, well, you know what, if nobody's going to structure or, or plan you know our, our next releases then then i'm going to be the guy to do it because you know as as a whiskey fan you know i've always been curious about the creation of flavor the, the development of different styles of spirit um you know using yes age but also different cast types has always always been fascinating for me and it's not just actually whiskey that i'm curious um curious about flavor combinations and and texture certainly um, for those curious and for those that appreciate sandwiches, um, you should check out my, my sandwich Instagram page because there's a whole world to be discovered there. Um, but to bring it back to, to whiskey, you know, is very much about that curiosity <laughs> of flavor. Um, you know, when I see, we currently buy spirit from, well, in Colburn here today, uh, we've got single malt from just over 90 different distilleries. Uh, you know, we've got you know, the Bravel just under us here, distilled in 2014. We've got single malt dating back to 1962. And, you know, when you consider the origins of those single malts, the age, you know, we've also got casks from over 120 different origins. Um, you know, the, the, the development of flavor, the possibility of flavor in Warehouse 1 and Warehouse 2 here is is really quite remarkable and you know that's that's really what captures my imagination and, and mm. it's you know it's it's definitely a, a job of passion of mine to to create new and interesting things of course you know we want to we all want to um honor the traditions but you know as everyone wants to you know if they want to push innovation um but you know i, I want you know i i want murray mcdavid to to keep that momentum of being that uh, that renegade, the 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 independent bottler that you know really pushed the boundaries as we did with you know Murray McDavid's inceptions in the mid '90s, being that first independent bottler to really open people's eyes to secondary maturation, and you know this Pinot Noir cask um, sitting next to us here uh, with the 2008 Blair Athol, you know these these are relatively new kinds of casks within the industry mm. you know i mean since since the dawn of time of course you know the the bourbon the sherry uh, the hogsheads the barrels um those traditional types of wood would 
have, have, have been day to day. But, you know, Murray McDavid, of course, uh, with, with the, the um, uh, how do I put this? <laughs> with the personality and energy of Mark Rainier, you know, um, really leading forward Murray McDavid and taking a new idea of cask maturation out to the world of the whiskey drinkers. Um, that's something that definitely inspires me. And, you know, I hope I can keep that energy going uh, with the brand today. Very cool, man. I want to get, want to, we'll get it, we're going to get back to your sandwich fetish <laughs> in just <laughs> a bit. Um, Please. Before we, we, we carry on and, and, and talk about the whiskies that you, you've created and, and what Murray McDavid has done, let's rewind a little bit and just set the scene. We talked about we were in Colburn. So can you tell everyone a little bit about the history of this place and kind of where we're at, at right now? Sure, yeah. I mean, um, you know, Colburn, uh, it was in, in the warehouses here, of course, um, built in 1897. Um, but it was one of those distilleries, uh, you know, it's um, uh, formerly owned by Diageo and, um, you know, it's, it, it went through periods of, of producing, not producing. Um, it was one of the kind of experimental sites for Diageo. I think they were experimenting with yeast strains back in the day here. Mm, interesting. Um, but like like a few others, it was um, partly the downfall here, I think, was the water supply. I think there were issues with that. And, um, you know, it was mothballed in, uh, I think it was 85, 84, 85, um, it was mothballed. And all of the distilling equipment uh, removed. And, um, you know, it lay dormant for, for quite a while. And, um, you know, ACO Limited came came in on site back in 2013 to uh, to revive the the traditional dunnage warehouses here and um i mean honestly coming onto site although you know slightly before my time uh, but i've seen pictures i mean it, it really looked like a a a perfect setting for um you know a 28 days later kind of kind of film it was a zombie zombie apocalypse kind of inspired that must have been so cool seeing that though like i, I love that going into like an old distillery i've never been into one that's been completely mothballed but i've mm. been to one that is, is is basically devastated so what was that like when you you came into this being mothballed i mean it must have been pretty cool you find yeah. anything interesting? Well, I mean, as I say, it was slightly, slightly before my time. Um, ACO and, and Edwards, uh, our managing director, he he came to this place in 2013. Um, and, you know, we didn't have access to any of the production site. Mm. So we, we operate from uh, the the office, the filling store. Um, yeah. and, and of course, the warehouse is here. Um, so no, I, I wish I told you that you know, or, or wish wish I could tell you that this warehouse was laced with casks of Colburn single <laughs> malt that people forgotten about for uh, fifty years. Um, Can you oh, imagine that'd be the dream. It would. It would. Give us a little bit of history about Murray McDavid and and the company, how it all started. You guys are independent bottlers. I also want to dig in a little bit about, you know, what, what's happening right now in the world of independent bottlings, but we'll get into that in a second. But can you tell everyone a little bit about Murray McDavid? Of course, yeah. I mean, I, I touched upon um, touched upon the, the origins of Murray McDavid um, just a minute ago, but it's, it's very much worth noting that... Um, you know the how we see independent bottlers today. There's there's a lot of them um, out there today, which isn't a problem. You know I I love that. 
because you know being being a um, a freak for flavor uh, as it were seeing so many independent bottlers trying different um, styles of whiskey creation you know that is all a discovery of flavor which i find very very exciting um, it can either inspire or it can either deter you from you know trying similar pursuits or trying trying new things mm-hmm. um, but what i'm getting at is there's a lot of producers today doing doing great things doing interesting things but if we rewind back to like the early to mid 90s that was it was a completely different scene um, I mean, I'm talking to you as if I was there, but I would have been, what, six or seven years of age <laughs> running about um, running about the school field. Um, Giving away your age there, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very much so. Um, but no, it's, you know, it's, it's looking, looking back in, in history books and, and, and inspecting the environment of the mid-90s and independent bottlers. You know, yes, we have the, the, the grand classic um, historical independent bottlers out there. You know, we're just four miles down the road from Elgin here. So, of course, you know, we have royalty in our midst from uh, Gordon and McPhail, who, you know, they've been bottling since since the dawn of time and have some <laughs> amazing, amazing stocks that we all know of. But they are um, what, you know, what we would associate as very much a classic style of independent bottler. Uh, Murray McDavid... Um, are the flip opposite of that you know we we were kind of the market disturbers of of scotch whiskey back in the mid 90s and as i mentioned um you know mark rainier being the the energy and the inspiration really driving that project forwards um him and simon coughlin um were wine merchants in in london in um i think 70s 80s importing lots of wonderful wines from you know from around the world and uh, Gordon Wright is well, one of Murray McDavid's founders um, of, uh, you know, family Springbank um, Cadenheads. So, um, you know, they, they joined forces to, uh, to create this kind of visionary brand, this visionary independent bottler to actually start moving away from the classic wood types that, you know, the likes of Cadenheads um, back in the day, Gordon McPhail um, and, and, um, and and those alike would be, you know, elegantly, gently maturing um, single malts in in refill casks over many many years um, to create you know classic flavors, and um, you know Mark being being this ball of energy and and you know visionary as I say wanted to kind of shake that up to introduce yes honor the traditions of you know single malt characters and flavors you know what a um as, as, let's say you know Blair Athol here you know the characters of Blair Athol we don't want to uh, we want to celebrate those distillery characteristics but we want to create new and interesting flavors alongside that mm. and this actually is a perfect representation of this 2008 Blair Athol um, a perfect representation of the Murray McDavid origins. You know, this um, single malt would have been filled into a refill, um, refill hogshead as 90% of the casks that we still buy uh, from, from distilleries today are filled into standard, what we refer to as standard wood, mm. refill hogsheads, which are really fantastic for holding spirit, for developing spirit over many, many years. Um, but, you know, Mark really 
understood that to bring bring along some of our stocks in a much quicker time to make it interesting and enjoyable in the glass, let's take this spirit from the refill hogshead, fill it into casks which they would have sourced from um, their their um, customers, their contacts from vineyards around the world, and you know filled that spirit into these casks to create something different and. You know, also what I say to a lot of people out on tastings and at festivals and things like that is, you know, Blair Athol 2008. There's a lot of that on the market. Mm. You know, a lot of it filled, you know, most of it filled into these refill bourbon hogsheads. So if there's, let's say, just for, for easy maths, if there's a parcel of 75 of these out on the market in, in the brokering market, then Murray McDavid by 25 Adelphi by 25 and Gordon McFell by 25. If we bottle one of these Blair Athols today, if Gordon McFell bottle one in six months' time, Adelphi in three months' time, they're all going to occupy a very, very similar area of the flavor map, making it not so interesting for a single malt lover to, you know, really enjoy or learn anything. Mm. Um, and those two things there, learning and enjoying, you know, that that for me is is one of the the big things about you know why why are we doing this, um, is is to learn learn and enjoy. You know, it, it's, it's I mean, it's it's fascinating going around this warehouse and just seeing what you guys have, not just from a brand point of view and from a whiskey point of view, but also the casks that you guys are holding right now. To your point, so let's chat chat about what's what's been the most interesting experiment that you've done to date <laughs> with what you've had oh, have here in this little there uh, jesus christ i mean you're, you're you're asking me this question on a recorded podcast <laughs> um and <laughs> um there are certain things that um have been tried are being tried um which which might have might have the um, the lawyers of the SWA slightly oh, yeah. um, listening out. Knock, with, knocking with, down your door. Yeah, they, they'll be listening out with curiosity for sure. Um, because yeah, we we are we are um, experimenting with different flavor styles. Of course, it's, it is all about that um, that curiosity and discovery and 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 trialing trialing um, trialing new cask finishes. Um, some of the ones that I probably could mention. Um, I mean, actually, one of the ones that I'm really enjoying, one of the projects that I'm really enjoying at the moment is um, our collaboration each year with different breweries. Hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm sure a lot of you out there, and, and Mitch, you probably would have seen um, the rise of stout cask, um, amber ale casks, whatever it may be. Um, introducing these, you know, stout is 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 a winner. I mean, stout, mm. um, if, if you're sourcing quality casks, um, I've found over the past couple of years, you know, the higher the ABV of the stout being produced, generally the, the better in terms of influence into the spirit. Um, I've tried a few amber ale um, cask finishes as well, but, you know, sometimes those, those ales aren't um, so high on the ABV. So we're actually, it's, it's a much lighter style of of influence um i mean stout's going to give you a bit of color there as well which always raises intrigue for um, people perusing the shelves um but the the actually the amber ale is quite interesting because you get that hoppiness um, through on the finish 
Um, last year, I collaborated with um, Wild Beer Company down in uh, down in Somerset, and yes, we um, uh, we we've actually exchanged casks. So what I try and do here, when we're emptying our casks uh, to be bottled for Murray McDavid. I'll give notification to certain breweries and say, look, we've got these freshly emptied. Uh, what do you want to do with them? And, you know, we do a cask swap scheme. So, you know, they'll pay for the transport of casks down to their brewery. They'll condition their beer um, or whatever it might be in our ex-Murray McDavid casks. And then we'll bring them back up the road here to Colburn. Um, but the one from Wild Beer that I'm most curious um, slash terrified about is um they produced an awesome um an awesome grateful wow. sour which has been um aged for six months in an ex lechick cask so this grapefruit sour really zingy really fresh really vibrant with um you know a little bit of actually no it's not a little bit there's quite a lot of like mineralarity lots of smoke that comes through on the finish very very cool um, however, you know, the flavors from that, what the hell am I expecting <laughs> from that grapefruit sour to come through in, in spirit? That's uh, going to be really cool. I, I, you know, I've, I had a little bit of experience with that with Glenn Fiddick because the IPA course, experimental yeah, series yeah. came out. So, and that was interesting because I remember Brian Kinsman sending some samples and, uh, some of them, and I'm, I know Brian won't mind me saying this on record, but they just didn't work. You yeah. know? And that's the thing about experimenting with things like yeah. this. Sometimes it works amazingly well. And sometimes you're just like, oh my God, why did I do that? You, have you had any stinkers yeah, like that yeah, before exactly. where it's just been like, oh exactly. no. Exactly. Yeah. No, there have been, there hasn't been anything in, in all honesty, there hasn't been anything that has gone catastrophically wrong. There's been a lot of occasions where it's, just very, very underwhelming. Yeah. Um, you know, there there isn't enough pickup of of character. Um, you know, if we're going to be doing these types of interesting finishes, then it can't just quietly say, "I'm an amber ale cask finish." You know, you want it to scream, "I'm yeah, an amber punch. ale cask." Yeah, yeah. You know. So you know, you need to collaborate the the um, spirit character because you know, dealing working with around ninety different spirit types. Um, and we would only get what six to six to eight of these amber ale casks. It's it's quite a selection to you know understand the spirit types that we have, which is going to be best for that kind of cask finish. Mm. And you know, not having worked with a, a grapefruit sour cask before, um, you know, there is an element of, of risk in there. But of course, you know, I've I've been in the role for 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 a while now, so I. It's, it's more of a, of course, educated, um, edu educated guess there. Um, or educated understanding. I should never be guessing yeah. in, in my role. <laughs> Sorry, man. Oh, God. I'll, I'll edit that out. Yeah. I won't edit that out. <laughs> God damn it. God um, damn it. Um, let's, well, let's chat about the how it is to be an independent bottler in this climate. So as we record this, we're literally weeks after the SWA released all the figures worldwide for the amazing growth of Scotch whiskey, which obviously means a huge demand right now for not only the liquids, but also the casks, which you guys are very heavily involved in. And you're trying to buy the liquid as well from these distilleries. So how is that right now in this current climate? Is it, is it quite tough getting both those products? Oh, honestly, it's, um, it's a real battle. 
Um, Murray and McDavid are, are quite fortunate in the respects that we're in the stable of ACO Limited. So Murray McDavid, you know, we we feed all of our whiskies through the ACO stable. And, you know, ACO stock holdings, what currently, uh, we're probably about 45,000 casks in, in stock. Wow. And, you know, I get to curate projects for our, what I call our core Murray McDavid ranges, which, you know, they might be single casks, they might be small batches of, you know, 1,500 to 2,000. And, you know, we'll be, historically, we've bottled, uh, what have we done, um, 20 to 25 products um, on each release, and we might do two of those a year. So, you know, we don't really touch the sides on ACO stock um, in, you know, those in those 45,000. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's, it's very much, you know, of course, with cask finishing, it's all about laying down stock. Sourcing wood has been um, actually quite quite tricky over the past um, past couple of years. Um, prices certainly of American oak we're, we're seeing going rocketing, rocketing. That's that's one to watch. That's that's pretty what, scary. What, what are you paying for a, an American cask right now? Um, well, I mean, we we buy from a couple of sources. Uh, I mean, we, as, as Murray McDavid, we, we try and collaborate with cask partners um, from around the world. And over in the States, we partner up with Koval Distillery. Mm. Um, who produce, yeah, some really wonderful styles of, of American spirit, um, you know, the classic bourbons, the yeah, rye. I can see a few of them kicking about as yeah, I stand here, actually. absolutely, cool yeah, really lovely little 110-litre um, casks, so we yeah. get really nice pickup in, in a good short time there. They've just um, adopted the more, more traditional 200-litre barrels as well. Um, but we import all of their casks. And uh, we've luckily got a fixed price on those. But when we're buying casks where we don't need to necessarily use the name of the distillery like we do with Koval, um, you know, I've seen prices um, jump from uh, what for a first fill, first fill barrel I've seen in the past couple of years jump from £125 a barrel um, buying on bulk. Um, to I saw an offer the other day, a short short offer of um, I think it was just under three hundred euros. Wow. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's you know when crazy. when planning projects, we've just introduced this um, accessible range of of single malts under Murray McDavid called the Carscraft range, which um, I'm trying to trying to create this range to end up at this price point of about 35 pounds underneath 35 pounds that's where that's where we're aiming but with the rise of cost of spirit supply you know that new make spirit supply is almost doubled in some cases as well the rise in the cost of wood you know it's, it is becoming really challenging uh, for a company of our size to to keep those prices down and accessible and you know that's really what what i want the murray mcdavid brand to do is still you know have the have the flair to release you know single malts that are 20 30 years of age um that offer that all important balance between price versus quality um, but also to release those everyday drinkers as well um that are you know the the cast graph range is non-age statement um you know we we um, still abide by Murray McDavid principles by um, finishing all of these expressions in, be it 
um, bourbon, sherry, port, Madeira. Um, we've just released a, a really lovely masala finish uh, with um, single malt from, uh, well, it's Croft and Gear, um, Peter's, uh, Peter's Loch Lomans. Really, really lovely. And um, the the liquid in Madeira as well, that's been been doing very well. Nice. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, for, for that project, it's all about balancing younger spirit, um, decent maturation, in first fill and second fill woods, but with the rising costs of of wood um, certainly and and new make, it's um, it's going to be testing. But hopefully, hopefully we can do it. So you're allowed to eat sandwiches for the rest of your life, or drink whiskey. Which one's it going to be? Oh Jesus, man, that is just unbelievable <laughs> of you to ask that question. Um, it's got to be whiskey, isn't it? It's got to be whiskey. I mean, I'd be crazy. Um, I, yeah, I'd, but I'd, you do love sandwiches, though. I do love. Where, where, where did this? Where does this craze come from? Well, a sandwich is the only meal that you really need in your life uh, because it ticks all of the boxes. You know, you've got, you know, if you're doing it properly, you've got two slabs of carbs and you've got, you know, meat, <laughs> cheese, um, a bit of greenery um, if you're feeling fancy. Mate, I think you should apply for a job as like one of the bread makers ambassadors. Uh, well, you, you do know an amazing what? job I mean, at that. It's, it's my, um, I, I do have an exit plan for when I'm grey and old of Murray McDavid. Yeah. And it's um, back down south, down in Cheltenham, where I'm from, um, down in the south of England. Um, I'm going to open up a little, a little deli and uh, it's going to be called Boozy Bagels. Nice. Um, selling bottles um, by day. Uh, sorry, selling bagels by day and, uh, and jams by, by night. Have you been to the Speyside Larder yet for their sandwiches? Oh, Christ, don't tell me Oh, mate, you need to go there what and check them out. What time is it? What time is it? <laughs> <laughs> you need to add, add that to your, uh, your Instagram. Um, so you're allowed to take one whiskey to a desert island that you've made. Which ones are going to be? Oh, you're a devil. Um, back in 2015, we bottled a, um, a Beaumont from 1989 that had been finishing a port pipe for um, six years. It was the Beaumont distilled in 1989. It was actually um, finished in a Chateau Latour wine cask. Nice. And um, yeah, just the elegance of, of that old Beaumont spirit. Um, you know, I, I do love kind of floral notes in whiskey, just purely because it's uncommon, yeah. you know, and, you know, it's those uncommon traces, you know, some, some distillates will have a slight waxiness. Again, love that. You can be amazing at roller skating or ice skating. Which one's it going to be? For me, it will always be, um, although I, I'd get so much shame out of admitting it would be roller skating. Um, see, I don't think so, man. It's like a cool seventy vibe uh, thing. I could see, I could see you being the like. The thing a... is, I was, um, you know, I'm, I'm recording this sat on a cask, wearing my um, my DCs. I was a skater kid back in the day, yeah, yeah. a skateboarder, and um, you know, we we never really had too many nice things to say um, about inline skaters. In fact, we used to call them bin liners. Um, we, we did not have good things to say. Dude, I was a skater as well. I remember that. Yeah. It was yeah. funny, man. And I've got that irrational fear of falling over on an ice rink, fingers splayed out. Some whopper comes along skating beside you and your fingers are off. Oh, I know I can't man. do it. Yeah. Ice skating yeah. is just not natural. Brutal. 
Dean, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for inviting me down here. It's been a pleasure. I always love doing these recordings surrounded by warehouses. Uh, surrounded by warehouses? Surrounded <laughs> by casks, even. Um, so it's been fantastic doing this. Um, thank you so much and great to chat to you, man. Pleasure, Mitch. Um, absolutely. If you're about for Spirit of Speyside, um, at the uh, end of April, yeah. um, we're actually hosting the opening Bloody Kaylee this year. Nice. Um, so, yeah, we're hosting that over at Dallas Dew Distillery. Um, lots more news to come on that. And um, ladies and gents at home, if you haven't checked out our Spirit Space side events, um, just go on our website, check them out, and um, there's still a few tickets to go. So, yeah, come along. Join us over here at Stowe 69. Um, we could dip into that lovely old Bowmore. And where can people find more information about Murray McDavid and yourself online? Um, so Murray McDavid, you know, um, like everyone today, we've got one of these uh, worldwide web addresses. Um, so check us out, murray-mcdavid.co.uk. And what about you and your sandwich fetish? Where oh, can they find okay. you? Oh, I'm not sure if this is broadcastable, um, <laughs> but my handle for my Instagram page is um, at Butty Boys Club. <laughs> really it's at butty boys club so check me out um there's there's a mouth-watering menu on there um nice. my name's dean jode of course check me out on instagram and you can um kind of have a little look behind the curtain into the days to day-to-day -day workings of an independent bottler beautiful well we're gonna go because we need to tap this uh, blair athel now right and have a little <laughs> dram from that gotta be done